So the brothers say to Joseph, take, uh, your father said that you shouldn't take revenge on us, so you should not take revenge on us. They made that up. Why? For Shalom. So there should be peace between Joseph and his brothers. The Gemara continues, Not only can you lie for purpose, peaceful purposes, it is a mitzvah to do so. So quite the story of Samuel being scared to go to uh, speak to Saul after a particular case. But going to an additional level, not only is it permissible, it is a mitzvah to lie shalom on matters of peace. So now comes our parsha. Debei Rebbe Yishmael Tana, so Rebbe Yishmael taught, Gadol HaShalom, so great is peace, that, She'af HaKadosh Baruch Shinabo, even Hashem lies. What's the context? That in this week's parsha, when the, um, when the angels come to visit Abraham at the beginning of the parsha, they say, where's Sarah, your wife? She, he says, she's in the tent. I say, all right, we're going to come back in a year's time, and you will, there will, Sarah will have a son. So Sarah, in the background, laughs and she says, "You know, I'm an elderly. You know, I, I've, I'm menopausal. I have can't uh, gone to the ways of women with me, and Adonisa Cain, and my husband is very old. So Hashem says, the Mikra Kativ Adonisa Cain. Initially, the pasuk says the verse says, Adonisa Cain." My master is old, i.e. Avram is old. But then it comes and says, Ulasov, but when the angel says to Avram, or Hashem says to Avram, not clear exactly who it is, says to Avraham, Why did your wife say that she's not gonna have children? And she said regarding herself that she's old. So Rashi brings this Gemara and says, She didn't say she's old. She said Avram's old. So why did Hashem change it from her saying that she's old to saying that Avram's old? Ah for peaceful because had Hashem gone to Avram and said to him, she said, you too old to have children, that might have created friction in the relationship and that might have been <coughs> Isha Shalom Bayit. So even Hashem uh, holds by the principle that it is permissible to lie for peaceful purposes. So that's start number one. So apparently it is, you know, for lying. So Midvar Shalom. So as long as it's, uh, the intent is peace and, uh, and uh, then it will be uh, Shalom Bayit, whatever the case might be. So that's Gomorrah number one. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize how easily such a Gemara can be manipulated. Because dare I say that the vast majority of the time that people lie, they justified in their own mind that the reason they're lying is so that things don't get worse. And that uh, matters don't get worse. Otherwise, why would they lie? So it is probable that people lie you know, to improve their status. But I'm talking about people who are trying to get out of a jam. So invariably they're trying to lie, not, you know, to, to, so if a guy, um, I, I, I steal money from someone and they don't know that I stole money from them. If I told them that I stole money from them, then they're not going to be friends with me anymore. So maybe it's permissible not to tell them because there will be shalom and it'll work. So this is going to be a question that we're going to have to deal with. Second Gomorrah is a famous Gomorrah, which is a famous song. And every chuppah you go to, it is one which is sometimes sung with words, but most of the time just sung with a uh, tune. And that is, Keitza Merag Dim Kala. So the Gemara comes says, it's a Gemara in Ketubot, which literally means, how do you dance in front of the, in front of the bride? So it's, Keitza Merag Dim Kala. Anyway, how do you dance in front of the bride? Now, the way it's explained is not how do you dance in front of the bride, but really, what do you say about a bride? How do you praise a bride on a wedding day? 
So Beit Shammai Omrim. So Beit Shammai says, Kala Kamochi. You say, you say it as you see it. So if she's unattractive, you say, listen, she's not the most attractive bride I've ever seen. She had nice shoes. Uh, the, the makeup artist did her best. You know, you say what you can. That's what Beit Shammai says. Beit Hila Omrim. Kala Nae Bachasuda. Ah, she is a, how's it translate here? It says, praise the bride. She's emphasized, uh, she's a fair and attractive bride. Okay, I'm sorry. The English translation here is straight out of Safari. I don't like it. But Shammai says, no, says you, bride, you, you praise her as she is. You don't emphasize on her good qualities. I don't know where Safari got that from. You just praise her as she is. Petilo says, she's a fair and attractive. Nae Bachasuda, she's beautiful. She's magnificent. So it says, Amr lo Beit Shammai Beit Hilo. So Beit Shammai says to Beit Hilo, Harei sheita chigeret osoma. So what if she's lame or she's blind? Omrim la kalena v'chasuda. We're going to say she's gorgeous. So as a woman who has a very obvious physical blemishes resulting with it. She's, she's on crutches. She's in a wheelchair. And you're going to go to the groom and say, she's magnificent. She's not magnificent. How can you say such a thing? But Torah Amar Amra Midvash Ekitecha. The Torah says, you know, you've got to stay away from falsehood. So you're lying. How can you do that? So Amrulu Bait Hilo Bait Shama. So Bait Hilo answers him back. He says, And according to your logic, Someone who buys something bad, bad quality, something from the Shuk, Should you praise it in front of him or should you. Uh, should you Diminish it in his eyes. So this is a, a perfect example where someone comes and says, "You say, oh, that's a nice watch. Uh, where do you, how much did you pay for it? So he says, I paid $1,000 for it. And in your mind, you can say to him, well, you got a great deal. Or you can say, well, did you get ripped off? That would be a perfect example of this. So he says, what should you do? So it, obvious to Beit Shammai, even to Beit Shammai, that you don't tell him you got ripped off. <coughs> So Shama says, you, you praise it to him. So from here we learn that you should always be revit with the briot. You should, the word is uh, the, the um, you should, how, do the, how does it translate it here? A person's disposition should always be empathetic with mankind. Meaning, should always try to keep people, you know, keep them on side. You should always try to do things to make people feel good. Now, one of the interesting things about this argument is, what does Beit Hillel say to Beit Shammai? So Beit, Beit Shammai says, you've got to praise her as you, as you see her. And Beit Hillel says, no, you've got to say she's magnificent. Then Beit Shammai says, and she's really not. So one thing you say, okay, she's not my cup of tea. She's a brunette. I like blondes. Fine. But what about that she's really blemished? She's a soma. She's a chigeret. She's really problematic. You're lying. So Hillel says back, he says, well, what's the alternative? You're right, I'm lying. And I'm transgressing the Torah prohibition of lying. But sometimes you've got to lie. Sometimes you've got to lie in order to be revit in a briot, in order to be able to uh, empathetic with mankind, to be kind to people. This is the second time. So here, unlike the first time where you're seemingly getting out of a, a tricky situation, um, here we're talking about volunteering falsehood. You are... You are flattering someone. In the case here, you'd be flattering not so much the bride in as much as flattering the groom, telling him about how magnificent his wife is. But in essence, it's talking about that you are instigating a lie here 
um, flattery for somebody else's benefit. And similarly, this is permissible. So look how this is a Seferim. This uh, Seferim was one of the early uh, mitzvah counters. So most of the time when we talk about um, people who counted the mitzvot of the Torah, we can uh, we count, we usually use the Rambam. But there were a number of other books that were written to count the 613 mitzvot. And some of them explain them. And so this is one of the uh, books, the Sefer Reim. And it says as follows. And the mitzvah that he's talking about is Midvar Sheket Tircha, that you should stay away from falsehood. And he explains it as follows. I'm going to give him a little penya so that you can follow. Midvar Sheket Tircha. Tziva Yotzreinu B'parshavel Mishpatim. Our Creator, Hashem commanded us in Parshat Mishpatim. Midvar Sheket Tircha, Chayv Litarchaik. From, from everything false, we should separate ourselves. Um, so all falsehood regarding our, 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 our colleagues or friends should focus on the following. You need to be very concerned that your lying is going to cause some form of damage. And everybody should do everything in their power to make sure that they stay away from anything that could lead to something bad happening. So if you say, well, I didn't think that this would turn out badly. Okay, so what he's saying is follows. When is lying a problem? Lying is a problem if it's going to cause damage. Damage here, hezek, can be physical financial damage or can be emotional damage. You're going to cause someone harm. That is when lying is a problem. When you're not going to cause harm, that's fine. You can lie as much as you want if no harm is going to be caused. But if a harm is going to be caused, that is a Torah prohibition. So, so says your aim. So everyone's going to say, oh, it wasn't my intent to harm you. I didn't want to harm you. I want to do good. So it says, if you look at me in Devash the full verse says, you should stay away from matters of falsehood and you should fear Hashem your God. It says, Hashem knows what's in your heart, what your intent was. At the end of the day, you can't be punished by a baiting for this. This is between you and Hashem. So you claiming that it was innocent or that there was, pos- you know, there was positive intent in your life, if there was somewhere underneath there that you hoped or you thought it might cause damage, so that would be the transgression. So he continues, Aval. Falsehood, lying, that will not bring evil, will not bring bad. The Torah had no problem with it whatsoever. The Torah did not warn us against it. When the Torah comes and says, you should not lie, what is the context of it? In the context of, of, of bad things happening. Because what's the full verse? Stay away from falsehood. And you should make sure that you don't kill an innocent, righteous person. Because I will not um, co- um, find innocent the wicked. So the whole context of the concept of lying is making sure that justice is done. And so when lying will make injustice done, that's where it's a problem. But other forms of lying where it's not a matter of injustice and then no damage is going to come. So that's perfectly permissible. So it continues. Now he quotes our Gomorrah. We learned in the Gomorrah. How do we uh, dance in front? How do we praise the bride? Beit Shammah says, 
Uh, however you see her. She's a beautiful bride. So he carries on. I'm going after the brackets here. This is what Beit Shama says if she's a chigeret, she's blind or lame, you're going to say that she's great. Hold on. How can you do that? That's lying. That was Beit Shammah's approach. So we understood the simple reading of the Gomorrah was, yeah, it's okay because you're doing it to make the husband feel good. But understand it in the context of uh, weddings that were happening in the times of the Talmud. That the husband and wife, so an engagement could have potentially happened without the bride and groom ever having met. So what's going to happen is I'm now saying, gee, I haven't seen my bride. Or oh, I saw her once, but I can't really remember. I met her for one second and she seemed all right in the case. And now you're coming to say, ah, oh, kala na eva chasuda. So hold on a second. What's going to happen? I'm going to get very excited about the shidduch. And turns out that I've made a terrible, terrible mistake. And that's why Beit Shammai gets so aggressive with Hillel. He says, how can you do that? You're lying. So look at the way the Urim says it. He says, How can you say she's a beautiful bride? The Torah says you've got to stay away from falsehood. And here, by saying that she's beautiful, you're doing something terribly destructive. Kedivrei Beit Shammai. Shinire kegonev datibriot. Because you are clearly falsifying information. It's going to destroy this relationship. Me as follows. If we had a wedding. So you go into the average wedding. The bride and the groom know each other very, very well. And you go into the chatan's tish. And the guy is sitting there. And he says to you, how does she look? Or more so, you go up to him to talk about his, uh, his bride. Now, she's not your taste. For whatever reason, she's not your taste. And he says, how does she look? You say, she is magnificent. According to Beit Hillel, Beit Shammai, everybody feels that is permissible. There's no problem with that whatsoever. However, where does Beit Shammai have the problem? He doesn't know her that well. And she comes in, it's like a blind date. And uh, they come and says, tell me, how is this blind guy? Tell me a little bit about this girl. And you give him false information. Oh, she's a beautiful girl. She's kind. She's sweet. She's beautiful. Everything's fantastic. That is Midvar Shekha You can't do that. Why? Because if you lie to him, you're going to cause him damage. So this is one of the big areas of lying. Like if a, two, a couple want to go on a date, a blind date, and they start asking information about one another, you've got to be very careful of what information you hold back because you can't give the falsehood. So lying is permissible when it's in the interests of the person uh, of lying and it's going to help them it's either for peace or it is to uh, make them feel good so you should have dad mu revet you should have that people that the, the husband should feel good the color should feel good but not at any point that it will cause damage to anyone as soon as damage is involved that is very dangerous all right now one more um, talmudic piece before we go into um, a, a bit of broader explanation behind this. And this is a phenomenal Gomorrah. Um, I remember learning it a number of years ago, and it is uh, frightening. I, oh, I felt this frightening. It is, it's not a literal piece. It is a what we call an Agadah. It is a story that never happened, but is trying to teach a particular principle. So this is the story. Amarava. 
I used to think that there was never truth in the world. And they told me, the Rebbe told me about this guy whose name was Rav Tavut, which means uh, the Rabbi of goodness. Amri la Rav Tavyomi. Okay, or his name. So what his name was. You could give him all the monetary values in the world, all the jewels in the world. The guy would never lie. He was an absolute truth teller. Once he, he went to a particular place, and the place was named Kushta. Kushta means truth. So he went to a place, and the name of the place was truth. And in Kushta, no one ever lied. No one told that. And no one died there. No one died young there. Everyone died at a ripe old age. Everyone lived to 120. Why? Because no one ever told a lie. And he married a woman from there. And he had Tartim, I think it's 20? Uh, two sons, Tartim. That's right. He had two sons from him. Says, Yomachad, have Sorry, just blow. Have Russia. So one day his wife was, she was showering seemingly what the case. She was, she was either in the bathroom or she was, showering. she was somewhere that it was not modest to say where she was. And the neighbor came and knocked on the door looking for her. So Tavyami said, I'm going to tell. So imagine someone phones, phones uh, the house. And you pick up the phone and, and they say, it's for you, honey, and honey's in the bathroom. So do you say, I'm sorry, they can't come to the phone, they're in the bathroom. Or do you say, I'm sorry, they're not available. So he said, it's not Sanua to say that she's in the bathroom. So what do you say? So it says, said, she's not here. Sorry, she's not here. Both his sons died prematurely. So hold on, this is a place called Kushta. Everyone tells the truth. No one's ever died young. Now two young men in one family have died. So they come, they knock on Tavyomi's door and say, what's the story? So he told them, this is what happened. You know, uh, they um, they came to us, I told a lie and they both died. They told them what the story is. So um, you've got to leave town. We can't have you like this. You bring in death into our town. Okay, that is the Gomorrah. It is a frightening Gomorrah. Now, the Maharal, which I didn't bring. No, I did not bring the Maharal. But the Maharal says as follows. What should Tavyomi have done? So, someone comes, knocks on the door. His wife's um, not a, she's in the bathroom. What should he have said? So, the way the Maharal explains it is that probably much he said the right thing. Because you have two values that are, are, are against one. One is telling the truth, which is a very important value. But there's another one called sniut. Now, sniut, modesty, is, if modesty is anything, it's hiding the truth. Think about the, the, the way we dress. We dress in a way that hides what's underneath the clothing. That's, that is what modest dress is. That you don't see the outline of the body. You don't see the curves and the shapes and whatever the case might be. For better or worse, you don't do it because that's what's new. It's hiding the truth. 
And Tzni'ut, if a guy is a very wealthy individual, but he doesn't share with everybody that he's very wealthy. So that's what Tzni'ut is. It's hiding the truth. So we see another thing over here that's coming is that this idea that to lie is permissible for Tzni'ut purposes. Now the, the Gemara itself, as I said, is a fictional Gemara in as much as it's trying to teach an idea rather than try to teach a, a, a literal story. But there are times where it is permissible to lie. Why? For Tzni'ut. And uh, you might call it euphemism, um, but it is another time when it's permissible to lie. So I saw a beautiful um, piece by Rav Zalman Malamed. Rav Zalman Malamed wrote a series of books, we actually have it in the library, called Pnei Lacha. It goes through all different areas of Jewish law in very user-friendly terms, and most of them are in English as well. And he explains why uh, it is permissible to lie for peaceful purposes. So he says as follows. So why is it permissible to lie for peaceful purposes? So the, the real root of truth. The real goal of truth is that everybody should be united. We should have one united foundation. One creator created us all. And there's one purpose for all of us. But due to complications and complexities in life, so everyone is in machloket, everyone's divided, and everyone's in fighting and the like. But in essence, we're all supposed to be united. That's the goal. So when you have um, jostling, fighting between truth and peace, so yes, there are two kinds of emet. Two kinds of truth. There's what he calls external truth, and then what he calls internal truth. Well, what's the difference between external and internal? It says, It says, from an external point of view, yeah, they disagree. He says, Black, he says, White. She says, De- Democrat, he says, Republican. Whatever they go. They, they disagree superficially on the outside. And there's there's there's, uh, there's there's hatred. But understand, under the core, the core humanity of us is we are united. We are one. We are part of. We are united in our souls because we're all part of Hashem. And ultimately, we want people to be close. We want to love one another. When there's this this this. Um, uh, this this um, dilemma of emet of truth and 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 peace. So the internal emet, the internal truth, which is shalom, achdut, united, outweighs the external, which is black, white, Democrat, Republican. So the two kinds of truth. There's the superficial stuff that we're arguing about, and the core humanity. That is, we are all part of Hashem. And when the two conflict with one another, we need to go to the core of what our uniqueness is. That is why it is permissible to lie for peace. Because you are not, it's not that you're lying, you're lying for peace. Is you're telling a greater truth over a lesser truth. That's it. Peace is the greater truth. And uh, what we call truth is a lesser truth. So he gives some examples for Aaron O'Coin. So I didn't bring this. Um, <coughs> this is um, an old medrash called Avot Rebbe Natan. She tells a story. So in Pirka Avot, 
it says you should be like the students of Aaron. Shalom shalom. You should love peace, pursue peace, and bring people close to Torah. So he says that Aaron will go to see Reuven and Shimon arguing, and he go to Reuven and says, "No, Shimon really wants to make peace with you. He really wants to, but he's just he feels embarrassed." And he go to Shimon and say the same thing, and then Reuven and Shimon would come together. So he was lying. Reuven didn't say that. Shimon didn't say that. But the greatest shalom is the greater emet. Hanan Cohen said he would do that. So Shalom is the Emet Achi Gedola, meaning as follows, is that when we talk about lying, there's, um, let's say, um, there's truth with a small T and there's truth with a large, with a capital T. Um, me saying to a Kala, saying to a bride, you look beautiful, or uh, Avram, Hashem saying to Avraham, she said that she's old. That was a, a small a lie with a small L and truth with a big T. And that's what we're after. Is the truth is not what 2 plus 2 equals 4 is chitzona. It's an external truth. It is not the, the most cr- critical one. There's an internal pinimit truth which is much more important and that is what shalom is. Shalom is the ultimate truth. So that is a phenomenal insight for Rav Malamad. I, I, I just... I, I don't know if it's his or he got it from somewhere, but I felt it was quite profound. Is that ultimately we were looking towards truth, the ultimate truth, not the superficial truth. So I just wanted to bring this. So in halacha, there are a number of different areas where it is permissible to lie. And I just wanted to go over a couple of them. So we've already spoken about for peace. It is definitely permissible to lie for peaceful purposes, um, whatever that is. And the, the goal being that it is for the other person not to be damaged so the difference I, I think this is the definition of what a white lie is is a white lie I tell a lie for your benefit but a lie is I tell a lie for my benefit so when I'm telling the lie for my benefit it is is it going to be a total prohibition of, of but when I'm telling a lie for your benefit so therefore it would be um, shalom now that being said flattery is an interesting case so telling somebody they look nice you have to ask, and this is what we saw in the Uraim, is you've got to check your motivations. If you're telling them they look, they're looking good because you want to flatter them and that's going to benefit you, so then I think it's lying. If you're telling them that they look good and it's going to benefit them because they're going to feel confident and right, then it's a very praiseworthy thing to do. But it has to be them intensive. If you have an um, underlying motive, so that's where the Yeraim says, it's masulash, you know, it's all, it's all uh, handed over to Hashem. Hashem knows what your true motives are. Okay, there's another Gemara, which I didn't bring tonight, but um, they bring some other areas of it. One, uh, humility. If someone comes and asks you, um, so the context of the Gemara comes and says, have you learned this particular tractate, a particular part of the Gemara, and uh, you, you don't want, you have learned it, but for one reason or another, you don't want to share the fact that you learned it out of humility. You just don't want to, you don't want to be boastful about that. It is permissible to lie. Now, this goes in, but if, if someone came, if you did a, a great chesed and people want to come to you and praise you for the chesed, it is permissible to lie in order to not get the praise. That is one area. Um, the way the Gemara, I'm going to number four here. Number four is talking about that it is permissible to lie uh, out of modesty. So it talks about, um, we, we spoke about the case of 
Rav Taviyami that, that, that his wife had gone to the bathroom. But it talks about areas of intimacy and the like. It is permissible to lie in order to not divulge those sort of information out of modesty. The third one that I brought over here, it is permissible to lie in order to, uh, to not humiliate, to, to prevent yourself from humiliation. Now, for some reason, my bl- I've just gone a little bit blank exactly what the case was in the Gomorrah. I think if I just give myself two secs. Um, can't remember it. But in essence, it would be a case where if someone to ask you a question, that, that answering it truthfully would be very embarrassing to you. So, excuse the coarseness. If, if you're in a room and someone said, did you pass wind? And let's just say you did. And it would be very embarrassing to say yes. So it would be permissible to say no. Even in such a case that it's a 100% lie. This because there's what is to humiliate. Kavro briot. So the concept of shalom. So we've said that with regards to a bride, we want her to feel good. We don't want her to be humiliated. And uh, we are concerned with her well-being. So... You know, me as well, covered or briot, um, to have respect to the dignity of mankind necessitates that I too am not going to humiliate myself. So therefore, it would be permissible to lie in order to prevent uh, any form of humiliation. So those are the broad categories. Um, it definitely, again, deserves a, a large, greater um, discussion. But uh, I think we'll leave it at there for this evening. If anyone would like to ask a question, um, please, uh, please unmute yourself um, and... Anyone going once, going twice.